Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download at audibletrial.com slash talkingdead. Over 85,000 titles to choose from for your iPod or MP3 player. Hi, my name is Chris. My name is Jason. My name is David. And this is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV series, The Walking Dead. Hello, everybody, and welcome to The Talking Dead, episode number 50. It is very exciting to be doing number 50. It is uh, August the 1st, 2011. We here are on a long holiday weekend in Canada, and we're celebrating by recording number 50 of the podcast. Are you guys excited for number 50? I'm very excited. It's Simcoe Day, isn't it? Isn't that what this holiday is? I believe it is Simcoe Day. We are celebrating George Simcoe, who named the lake. (laughs) I I don't know. I don't think his first name is George. (laughs) Well, there is a Lake George. And I don't think he named the lake. I think the lake So he named, named Lake George and Lake Simcoe. <laughs> yeah. Why not, really? <laughs> episode 50, the golden episode. That's right. <laughs> it's off to a great start already. We should have looked up what Simcoe Day is for. Um, I feel... But Lord Simcoe. So what did he do? Do you know I what he did? I have no idea. This is what I'm saying. We should have looked up Lord Simcoe. Most Canadians don't even know that it's Simcoe Day. And That's I'm a little kind true. of sketchy myself. That I think it's true. Simcoe Day, but I think it's one of those holidays where it's a statutory holiday, but in certain provinces they celebrate it for different reasons. I think Simcoe is the Ontario reason. So Quebec not, doesn't have a reason. Quebec doesn't need a reason, and Alberta, they just take holidays because they because love they take English. holidays. Because every two weeks they've got a day off in Alberta, right? Well, we're even with them now that we have family day. In, in February, we got the family day. That's right. Anyway. But we're not here to talk about Canadian holidays or the one we're currently observing um dave welcome to the show it's been a long time since you've been on here it has but you know it 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 is the golden episode <laughs> it's the golden so i needed episode. to be on it i needed to be here to celebrate the golden episode it's awesome it's exciting isn't 50 a diamond anniversary no 50 is gold 75 is diamond. oh okay if you make Phew. it to your if you make it to your diamond anniversary you've done pretty well yeah well, i only brought <laughs> you guys is gold five isn't it yeah yeah. I only brought you guys gold. I was worried there that I might have had to bring diamonds. Gold in the form of those gold-colored staples that are sitting in front of you? Shower These us more with copper. your golden presents, Jason. Yeah. Well, <laughs> just my presence is golden. So that... No, thank you. <laughs> you will not get a golden shower. <laughs> All right. Moving on. Moving on. So, Dave, one of the things, one of the reasons you're here, not just because it's our golden shower episode, is that... Is uh, the golden shower episode... Oh, is we're not going to title it this, are we? No, no, we're not. Uh, no. I, don't think, I don't think we are. <laughs> Hopefully something better will come up okay. in the next... It's only because you called it the golden shower episode. <laughs> so like Samuel Jackson, the snakes on a plane, I wasn't going to do the episode until you told me that it was going to be the golden shower episode. And <laughs> then I figured I have to play. Right. Then you got to be here. Yeah. Um, so Dave, talk about Stranger. Uh, the first issue is out and we want to get an update from you on what's going on, where you're going to be and, and how, it's, how it's looking. Uh, so far, so good. I'm getting a lot of great feedback from people. Uh, <clears throat> I'm going to be at uh, Fan Expo August 25th to 28th uh, at the end of the month. You boys both have your own issues now. Yes. I printed out a few issues uh, specifically for people who come by the booth and want to buy some and help me pay for the booth by buying such things like <laughs> the I Heart Unicorns 2 shirts and the comics and the other goodies that we have there. And, uh, yeah, I'm getting a lot of good feedback on the first issue. The second issue, I think 
as of today, actually, just a few hours ago, I just finished page 27. Wow. That's so a, it's coming along. That's awesome. I'm the second issue. I'm looking at uh, my issue number one right now. And I was, uh, when you gave it to me a couple of weeks ago, I was just blown away by how awesome the printed version of this looks. They did a really, really good job. That's uh, Zone Printing in Toronto printed it up. That's X-O-N-E Printing. And uh, honestly, out of five different places that I looked at, they were the most cost-effective, and they were the only ones to actually offer me a free sample. Wow. That's awesome. We should – well, I'm glad we gave them a a shout-out on the show then. If we need some printing done, that sounds like the place to go. Plus, there's a giant Talking Dead ad on the back cover, which we love. Of course there is. How can we we not love that? That's fantastic. How could there not be? You guys have been great supporters from day one. Uh, So why wouldn't there be a Talking Dead on the back? Awesome. Talking Dead ad. Totally. So you're yeah. going to be at uh, Fan Expo later this month, and yes. you said you're just sort of going to be sitting there and hoping people come sitting by. Sitting there, hoping people don't throw eggs at me or laugh at me. or <laughs> Well, you know, throwing eggs at you would be really, really out of line. Well, laughing I'm... laughing is one thing. If somebody shows up in a chicken suit, I'm going to be really nervous. <laughs> <laughs> well, if anyone throws eggs, I say you punch them in the face. I will make scrambled eggs. Out of them. The thrown eggs? Oh. I will scrape the egg off my face and into a pan and make an omelet. And eat it. <laughs> Take eat that. It egg of for. <laughs> Thank right. you for the protein. <laughs> um, nice friend. So uh, you should probably tell people where, where to go if they want to check it out. If you do want to check it out, you can go to iHeartUnicorns2. That's T-O-O dot com. And uh, I try to update uh, a page a week, sometimes a little bit more, sometimes a little bit less, depending on how busy... Uh, life gets for me but i try to stick with at least one page a week so excellent yes that's great i i uh i have to admit i haven't gone to see much of episode issue number two yet but i gotta go i gotta go check it out issue number two takes a a different slant um one of the guys who follows me was wondering what it had to do with issue number one and it might not seem obvious right away because it's sort of it's a little bit different, um, but the two issues sort of run concurrently, and by the end of it, it will all come together. But that's part of your concept too, right? Like each issue is going to be not standalone, but uh, have its own kind of point and yeah. theme and feeling and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, once honestly, once we get past issue two, once we move into issue three, then there'll probably be a larger story arc Right, that'll go over a few issues, but I mean, for now... It's going exactly where it needs to be, and it's introducing all the right characters it needs to to get to issue number three. Well, that, for issue number three to make sense, that is awesome. I I am super excited that it's that's going really well, and I'm going to come down to Fan Expo and and uh, wear my shirt or something like that. And I just, will try to do and so just, as well. Just walk around and walk know? around. Fan Expo is always a good time. It uh, is. So if anybody gets to come down, come check it out. Say hello and. I don't know, we'll thumb wrestle. And, and buy uh, an issue, <laughs> buy the comic and a poster and a shirt, maybe. Buy stuff. You're in something called Artist's Alley, right? Yes, Artist's Alley. That's so just that's a where all the, special that's where section? There's a whole bunch of really talented people, and then the people who pretend to be talented. And so that's, <laughs> I'm, I'm the pretender. It's, it's up to everybody to make their own decisions on who's who. 
That's right. Yes. Who's talented? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going to feel the goofiest there. I'm going to try not to be the goofiest. I'm going to try and be one of the cool guys. But in trying to be so cool, I might actually end up being really goofy. So, you know, I'm just going to sit there and be me. You could and be so goofy that you'd be cool, too. It's possible. It works both ways, David. That has never happened, though. I'm, I'm a very serious <laughs> person by nature. Uh, so. <laughs> well, I, I, I'm pretty sure. I'm going to make a call right now that you're not going to be the goofiest guy there. Okay. There you go. We'll see what actually happens. I appreciate the support. Anyways, well, con- yeah. congratulations on the first issue Thank and uh, everything that you're going to do. And I have, you know, a good feeling about this whole thing. I am humbled doing. by your support. Thank you. All right, everybody. Let's. We got a huge show coming up for you. We've got a actor spotlight on John Bernthal, who plays Shane. But before that, we've got a huge, huge week of Walking Dead news. A to heap get of news. A heap of news. A whole it, lot of news. Oh my God! So I'm much. Burning like a golden shower of news. <laughs> That's right, a golden shower. We. It was. I'm con- that term over the course of the podcast. That's fine. If you can work it in every every few minutes, I'm okay with that. Uh, I'll try to go shower it in. <laughs> it doesn't quite work. Well, maybe it does. I don't know. <laughs> it was Comic-Con last weekend. That's why there is oh. so much news. The first thing we're going to do is this. I'm coming with you. I don't know what the hell you're talking about. All I care about is getting out of here. As far away as I can. Like you. What's next? The group is split. We got a plan for this. People are going to start panicking. It's a waste of time all this hoping and praying. Just right. Let's go, you and me. Let's go before they get back. It's not going to end here like this. Maybe we should just go back. We're facing a long, hard journey. Maybe even harder than I can imagine. I don't know what our chances are. 
I'm losing hope. But like I said, it's all about slim chances now. And a slim chance is better than none. That was the four and a half, kind of long, admittedly, trailer from Comic-Con for season two. And um, I don't know about you guys, but holy Jesus, man, that was amazing. Christ. Like, so, so good. I that What a piece of garbage. Blew me away the first time I saw it, and Dave didn't like it. <laughs> no, that's not true. I really liked it. Okay, good. Um, you know what really, two things that really stood out for me? Yeah, for that, that? let us know. One, music. Music was awesome. <clears throat> yeah. Music was spectacular. The, the one thing that excited me about 28 days later was when he first left the hospital and how the music just sort of crescendoed into this loud orchestral clanging of noise. And I felt this trailer did sort of a similar thing. did really well. The other thing was I was never really happy with John Bernthal as Shane. But as this trailer opened, I looked at John Bernthal and I saw Shane. Yeah, I would agree with that. What about the part later on where where he's talking about leaving and and just taking off? I mean, obviously there's going to be a lot of tension, but... I I feel like that works really well, probably. Yes. I concur. That <laughs> All right. Works well also. All right. So, Jason, give me give us your initial thoughts on this trailer. Well, I agree with Dave in that uh, the music was something that struck me as uh, fantastic throughout the whole trailer, throughout the whole four and a half minutes. And, is Bear uh, McCreary still doing the, the music? He is, but I don't think there was a lot of Bear McCreary in there. Really? I don't think so. I think maybe the middle part or maybe the beginning but um towards the end it was definitely a a contemporary song 
right. like not part of the score that he's coming up with. But maybe so maybe solo on the Watchtower and Battlestar Galactica. Well, yeah, for sure, and they used songs in the in season one too, for sure, in to yeah. sort of complement Bear McCurry's score. But you're right, amazing music, and I really like right. the uh, the leading up to Herschel's farm. You know, with uh, with Rick running with uh, yes. with uh, Carl just running through the woods. He's lifeless, and something's happening. And he's trying to get to the farm, and the you know Herschel's there looking out, going, "What the hell is that?" Yeah, well, great, great, quick shots of of Maggie and uh, and Herschel there. It was nice to see them there for sure. It was so. <clears throat> Yeah, I mean that's Carl. He's carrying, right? Yeah, clearly Carl. Well, I would assume so. Well, there are other kids, but it didn't look like one of the girls. No, that's the thing. I don't think it was. Um, So, you know, this got me thinking. Like, what could happen? Do you think maybe they're going to kill off Carl instead of Shane? Well, no. I mean, uh, Carl gets. uh, That's how they end up at Herschel's farm in the in the comic. Oh right! right? Oh Jesus! I forgot that. Yeah, because he's shot by the. the farmhand out in the woods. That's right. And Point says, uh, you got to take him to the farm. Herschel's there. He, he, you know, he's a vet in, in the, uh, the TV show anyway. Right. So, uh, yeah, that's what happens. So Carl almost dies. Hmm. Okay, but my question stands. I wonder if they would kill off Carl instead of Shane. No way. No, they don't kill children? No, not yet. <laughs> Maybe someday, but not yet? <laughs> yeah. No, I, I think they'll let Sophia and Carl's relationship flourish a little bit more. Yeah. We need Carl for a while longer. Yeah, for sure. Um, so Shane isn't the only one who's talking about leaving. I mean, we have T-Dog talking about going, and uh, uh, Shane, I think, is trying to convince Andrea to go with him because I guess she doesn't really have anybody anymore. Um, I, obviously, I don't think our group is going to split up here, but what do you guys think about this You know, potential storyline? I think, think uh, T-Dog is suggesting that he and Dale go after Shane and Andrea. Oh, so you think maybe Shane's gone. You think he, he goes but then comes back. Oh, I think I'm sure Shane goes. Interesting. Oh, that is interesting. What about the, So then what about the shot right off the top where he's running from the zombies and he falls down and they're like almost on top of him and then he's firing the shotgun? I wonder if that's post-leaving the group. Could be. And he kind of realizes this was a bad idea. Well, and maybe that's how season two opens. Uh, maybe. Like, that'd be a good opening shot. It's a op- good opening shot in the trailer. It would. It, it, we very well could have that as a season two opening. Darebont said that uh, it's it's opening five seconds before the end of the last. The oh, last, but they last could do one. they could do flashbacks and oh, stuff, yeah. right? So well, they totally could. mess with the timeline. Yeah. yeah, totally could. So I think it's an interesting uh, interesting idea here that our group might sort of not be as sort of together as we think they are. You know. And want to in spots in in spots. Well, I don't think they're going to break up altogether, and it's clear that they they won't because I think everybody ends up at the farm. Although it's not clear from this trailer exactly who's there when they get to the farm, so we really yeah. don't know. We we don't right. even know if Rick and Carl make it to the farm because they don't actually show that. That's right. He's running. He's there, running on you know to the farm, but you know maybe there's a minefield there. <laughs> Boom. Could be show ends. There you go. Rick uh, loses his his arm, not just his hand. That's right. <laughs> Uh, Spoiler. Yeah. So let's talk about the um, highway traffic jam scene, which until now, I didn't really have much idea of what was going to happen there. I I thought it could have been anything from, you know, they're just stuck there and they can't get through and they're wondering what to do. Maybe they have to abandon the RV. I don't know. You know, anything from that to like a full on, you know, zombie attack. And it seems like that's what we're going to get. And it looks yeah. like it's going to be amazing. Yeah, <laughs> bit of a herd there. 
total total herd and like just them hiding under the cars and being completely scared. Andrea is obviously in the RV and we see zombies coming into the RV. So um, that's going to be good. That's going to be the that's going to be the opening the uh, the premiere premiere. That's going to be sort of the first action set piece. You think? I think so. Oh my god! That was so intense. It was so intense, and they looked. Everyone looked genuinely terrified. Even the kids. You know, I, I forgot all about the fact that they're under those cars eating sandwiches. Yeah, I didn't think about that at all until just now. <laughs> I'm surprised. You know, now that I think about it, how many cars on the street right now could you fit under? Uh, well, me or a skinnier <laughs> person. Size <laughs> probably not too many. That's right. Well, no, because it seems like when they crawl under the cars, there's plenty of room under there. Yeah, that's right? true. I could get under a car if I want, if I had to. I don't know. Cars are pretty low to the ground these days. Well, some cars not a are. lot of clearance. Yeah, I think. Well, yeah, it's true. I don't know. I, that didn't. Is there enough room under a car to eat a sandwich? Clear. That's the that's... real question. Well, we'll find out tomorrow. All okay. Right. Okay. <laughs> get together for lunch. You can go under one car and eat a sandwich. We'll yeah. see. Uh, but uh, yeah, I thought everyone looked absolutely terrified. Like really, just totally intense. And I also liked how you know Rick. Wasn't under the same car as his family, you right. know. The the uh, Carl um, was somewhere else. I think by himself under a car. It looked like Lori was with Carol, uh, Sophia's mom, and but Sophia was somewhere else. And Maybe uh, Sophia was with Carl. I don't think so. It looked like they were under cars by themselves. The kids, which oh. just adds to it, man. Yeah, no kidding. And then it does look like Sophia gets attacked because she has to get out and run, and Carol is just freaking out. Oh my god, it looked amazing. Yeah, absolutely loved it. Um, I that's going to be a very excellent episode. Yeah, totally. Um, so then we get a bunch of uh, quicker shots of things like going through the forest, the group running through a, like an overgrown graveyard, which I thought was probably a bad idea. With zombies around, yeah, generally. Yeah. Um, and then it or looks maybe like... maybe it's the safest place. They've already gone. <laughs> yeah, it's true. They're yeah. already up and left. <laughs> Why would they hang around there? Um, and then it looks like at a certain point they're back at the, the Vatos compound. It could just be a brick wall somewhere else. Yeah, you know, I I also thought that. I thought that looked remarkably like the the the, the Vatos camp compound. Vatos compound. Whatever. Uh, but but why would they go back there unless they're looking for help or something like that? You know, I, I get the feeling they've moved moved on from there. Yeah. So I don't think they're going back. I think it's going to be somewhere else. Yeah. It just kind of looks like that enclosed brick space. Yeah. What I'm thinking is that uh, this this graveyard it does look kind of dilapidated, so maybe and they go into a church at one point too. So maybe there's like a rundown church and there's some ruins there from you know old right. buildings or something. So old that, schoolhouse, old schoolhouse, exactly. That that might be where where they end up. I, I I don't know. It just it reminded me of the Vados compound. So maybe who knows? Maybe it was even filmed in the same location. Maybe <laughs> reusing locations. Um, but it also looks like Rick kind of loses his cool there because they're trying to be quiet. And then at one point he says, you know, screw the noise. And he fires his gun and Shane yells at him. I thought that was yep. a good looking scene. I liked a lot too. So there'll be some tension between these two. I think, I think there might be. So that's cool. Um, anything else about this trailer you guys want to want to bring up? I, other than it was fantastic and it made me super I, excited. I really want to make out with this trailer. I want to neck with it all night long. <laughs> Neck, neck with on it. a neck with a. I'm gonna leave a giant hickey on its neck. People don't use that term anymore. You know that, right? <laughs> I'm old. I can say whatever <laughs> I want. Yes, you can, and uh, I would agree with that. This, I love this trailer. Yes, me too. Totally, I love it more than the season one trailer. 
I would agree with that. Yeah, me too. But it's a different. We're coming at it from a different perspective too. Like in season one trailer, you don't know anything about it. You don't know what you're in for. Now that we do have an idea, and we have, we all have thoughts in our head of where this is going to go and what it's going to be. This just was. It was almost better than anything I could have imagined. You know what I'm saying? I keep forgetting it's four and a half minutes long. <laughs> yeah, really, it goes. It by is quite quick. long. So it's awesome. If you want to check out that trailer, it's over at the Walking Dead blog on AMC TV, and we will, of course, have a, have a link in the show notes on TalkingDeadPodcast.com. It's amazing. Let us know what you think. Send an email to TalkingDeadPodcast at gmail.com. So it premiered at Comic-Con. San Diego Comic-Con. San Diego Comic-Con. And San Diego. Yep. There was some other stuff announced at the panel. Uh, although the panel itself, I watched the whole thing. It was not that interesting. And by that, I mean it was all the primary actors and producers and stuff up on the stage kind of just saying the same things that they always say. Right. How great it is to work with everyone, how this is the best project they've ever had. I mean, all the things you expect them to say. Right. Which I'm fine with. They got to say those things. It's great. It's just there wasn't a lot new. Um, Can you imagine? They actually went up there and... Told the truth. You know, these guys are okay and everything, but, uh, you know, it's, it's not the best. Not the best. It's not the best project I've ever been on. <laughs> you know, I was on Breaking you know, Bad, and that was pretty good, you know. and But, you know, these guys, are they're, they're all right. <laughs> Tom Berthold says, you know, Stephen Young kind of chews a little bit loudly. and yeah. Oh, he chews. He, he scrapes his fork on his teeth. It drives me nuts. Lori Holden grinds her teeth. Yeah, exactly. Somebody, you know, Andrew Lincoln, picks his nose too much, you know, stuff yeah. like yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wish uh, you know, Irony Singleton stopped doing so many push-ups in between sets, making me look bad, stuff like that. Yeah, and Jeffrey Dumont has just got to stop masturbating in that RV. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's making me uncomfortable. <laughs> it really oh, dude, why'd you put that picture in my head? <laughs> <laughs> Do not oh, picture my. it. So yeah, so the panel was not like that at all. Unfortunately, it was everyone just having a love fest for each other, which is fine. It's totally cool. The one thing they did announce, the most important thing, is that the premiere of season two will be on Sunday, October the sixteenth at nine p.m., which is an hour earlier than uh, it aired last year. That's most excellent. That's so it's very encouraging. Two weeks ahead of of Halloween, and uh, everyone sort of assumed we were going for Halloween, but they surprised us with the sixteenth. I'm very excited about that because it's like two and a half months away. Halloween's a Monday, right? Uh, I don't know. Sure. Sounds like it. Memory serves me correctly. They also said that, uh, I mentioned before, that it starts, that season two starts with five seconds of overlap from the last episode of season one. So we're going to see them get in those cars and drive away and basically pick it up right there, which is kind of cool too. And that's where you're going to see, what was the the woman that stayed behind? What was her name? Gerald Prescott. Or that was the actress. Um, the character was Jackie. Jackie. Jackie, you're going to see Jackie run out of the building really quick <laughs> and say, "Wait, wait, wait, wait!" Oh, you forgot. <laughs> that would be so stupid. They'd have to play that music. They would. <laughs> um, so that's cool. Frank Darabont said, um, "None of this six months later BS." He, he, they're picking it up right where they left off, which Perfect. is cool. Well, that's pretty typical of uh, you know specialty. Channel shows, right? Uh, right. Breaking Bad then, uh, does that, where they pick up right after. Mm-hmm. Uh, Deadwood did that. A lot of shows do like immediately after. But there's the danger of Chandler Riggs getting a deeper voice. Yeah, being too the old. This goes on. That's true. 
That is true. Yeah, watch he, out for that. That's why I think they're going to kill him off. Well, they can't kill him off. Well, they, of they can't just they can. kill all the kids. I think they. I, nobody's safe. We know that, right? And even in this TV show, people are maybe some of them are a little more safe than they would be in the comic. But they yeah. got to kill somebody, right? They've got to. They need to shock us. And what would do it better than killing a ten-year-old? Yeah. You know? You know, he's he he probably isn't shot in the head, dies right away in the forest. There, he probably gets shot, doesn't survive because they just don't have the ability or the facility to treat him properly. I think he's pretty safe for this season, at least. Mm. And then wow, either yeah. they'll do the jump in time to accommodate for his aging, or they'll kill him off, or uh, I don't know what they what they would do. So next season, between two and three, we're going to have a jump in time. Maybe he'll do some time travel. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that's what we need in a good zombie epic time, time travel. Yes, that that would be awesome. Uh, so some <clears throat> other things I noticed from the panel, and some of these may be completely trivial, but first of all, Shane has a shaved head. I mean, not Shane. John Bernthal has a shaved head. Uh, does this mean anything? No. Does it mean he's shooting something else, or does it mean he has a shaved head on The Walking Dead? Because they're shooting it right now. Um, they're not done? No, they're currently shooting. I mean, they might be well, done the first episode, but they're shooting the season, right? So they're not done. They're not anywhere near done. No, so maybe he shaved his head. Well, I, I would. Well, that I would kind too. of heat hanging out under cars eating sandwiches, I'd shave my head. Well, yeah. How about in the zombie apocalypse? I would. I'd shave oh, yeah. my head then too, because you're not going to be showering much, probably. So, yeah. Um, maybe he shaves it in the. So here are my possibilities. He shaves it in the show. His character shaves his head. He was shooting something else. And he needed his head shaved. Or, I don't know, maybe he wears a wig on The Walking Dead and that's how he has his hair most of the time. Hmm. No, he had, he had his hair uh, grown out the last panel. That's true. That's true. He did not have it short at the last panel. So who knows? It, it may mean nothing. I just, I just noticed it. I think it means exactly nothing. All will be revealed nothing. in the fullness of time. Yes, it has got a point. <laughs> uh, so Sarah Wayne Callies and Lori Holden both made comments about how the scripts are so good. Sarah Wayne Kelly said, the season two scripts are the best TV scripts I've ever seen. Really? And Lori Holden said, every script is gold. It's a shower of gold. A shower. It is a shower. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> now, I bring, make it happen. I, as I said before, everything is just a giant love fest, but I bring that up because one of the main criticisms of season one was the, the writing. A lot of people said the pilot written by Frank Darabont was fantastic, but it kind of went downhill from there. And so, you know, are they are, are are the two ladies doing something on purpose here, saying that no, no, you don't have to worry about the writing next year, or are they just again showering praise on each other? They're all actors. They all have scripts. Even for this panel, they have a script. I'm sure they have a talking. I'm sure points. they're all coached. Yeah, yeah, that's probably true. Make and sure I, you... I don't think I don't think that's specific to The Walking Dead. I'm sure. No, of course whatever. not. Yeah, that's just the way it is. So they're backstage, and someone says, "Make sure you mention yeah. how good the writing." These is. These are your so. talking points. Go out there and make sure that you bring these up if you're asked this question. Say, "Yes, it was awesome." Got it. So I it means loved hanging out. Be something cars. else to hear Robert Kirkman say. What excellent writing there was on this season. <laughs> he's uh, he's a funny guy, that Robert Kirkman. He makes fun of himself and and a lot of other people while he's up there. So I I would I could see him saying something like, "Man, the writing is terrible." You know, it's nowhere near as good as some comic book that I that I know of. So, yeah, I don't know. Um, so that was it. It was probably just them, you know, following their script. Doesn't really mean anything. Um, now, Sarah Wayne Callies 
Oh, Stephen Yun. He he was hilarious. He's a funny guy. He was talking about how uh, there are many ticks, and you have to do tick checks every day when you get up and nice. every day when you uh, before you go to bed. And his actual quote was, um, "One of the ticks climbed my mountain." <laughs> I don't know what that means. Well, I think it means that he had a tick on his wiener oh. and had to do something about it. Which does not sound very fun. No, they bury, they dig themselves right in there. Probably even worse than zombies, maybe. <laughs> yeah, they dig their, they dig, they burrow in, and then if you, uh, yeah, you, know, you have to get it all of it because if you rip it in half, then they're not quite dead. <laughs> See, not fun. I don't like ticks. <laughs> I'm glad we live in a primarily tick-free society. Well, we got bed bug problems and. Here, but no ticks, at least. All right. Well, that that was funny. If at least guys... with bed bugs, you can just burn everything you own, and you're done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can't burn your crotch off. Yeah, that would be bad. It's not going to work. Um, so that that was good. If you haven't watched that, go check it out. He's pretty funny. He he sort of rambles on about ticks for a while, and everyone had a good laugh. Um, so Sarah Wayne Callies on Chandler Riggs said, "I was brought to tears every day by how professional he is. He is going to." Hey. Whoa, you all right? Sorry. It's okay. Uh, she said, uh, Chandler Rings is going to blow your mind this year. Okay, so uh, is that good or bad that she was brought to tears every day by his professionalism? Uh, she was saying that in a positive okay. way. That's good. Uh, because apparently he's such a fantastic little actor. She called him a something like a great little man. <laughs> <laughs> right? Excellent. So just continuing the trend of saying how, how fancy everyone is. His acting brought is. me to tears every day. Every day. <laughs> <laughs> I could see how that could go the other way. Yeah. That I don't know. He made me cry. There you go. Um, so just before we leave the panel, uh, we, they had some you know people come up to the microphone and ask questions. And most of the questions were just on the you know one step shy of just idiotic. Um, I love you. Yeah, well, you know, someone you came were up, the best ever. Someone came up <laughs> who was a you know obviously a huge Norman Reedus fan, and he has a lot of them. I you know I I have great respect for those people. However, she got up there and asked something like, "Is it what was more difficult, your role uh, in the Walking Dead or your role in the Lady Gaga video?" <laughs> and he he could barely answer the question because it was so stupid. And, you know, no offense to you, girl who asked that, but la- lame. <laughs> uh, and How did he answer that? Well, he didn't. He kind of just sort of spoke around it and, you know, went on about how great The Walking Dead is, yeah. but then finished it off with, but, you know, I love Gaga, too. Yeah, so, of course. You know, that's, that's what he did. But most of the questions were, were pretty lame. But one guy got up there and asked about uh, Rick's character development um, in the comic book versus the, the TV show. And Kirkman answered, and he says, the comic book series has been going for so long that I've had time to add little things and do horrible things to Rick Grimes. And the plan is for the TV show to get there. Uh, he went on to say, it's not something we can rush. We have to take our time with it and do it in a way that makes sense, which I thought was a good answer to a good question. You can't just start lopping body parts off and killing off loved ones right off the bat. You have to care about these things first. Yeah. Right? It makes sense. Totally. And I already do care about them, I think. And it's clear from watching that trailer we just talked about that I do because I felt genuine panic for those people under the cars. Right. You know? Maybe not genuine panic, but I felt really, really excited for them. I couldn't breathe and I, would, I had to get out of the house. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I had to walk around a bit. Um, and finally, 
Kirkman early on was talking about how they were selling the show and pitching it to networks. And um, he, he was talking about how they pitched it to other networks and people who looked at it and they weren't all that interested. But he said, eventually Frank came along and never went away, which is interesting mm-hmm. because we now know that Frank is going away. So, right. um, well, not necessarily going away. Uh, not necessarily going away, but let's let's talk about that. We got a, a couple more things from Comic Con, which we'll get back to in a minute. So, it was announced earlier this week that Frank Darabont has stepped down as the show runner, and he will be replaced with somebody. Right. Um, the official statement from AMC is this. The Walking Dead's Glenn Mazzara, writer and executive producer, is expanding his responsibilities to assume the role of showrunner. AMC is grateful to executive producer, writer, and pilot director Frank Darabont, whose contributions to the success, the success of The Walking Dead are innumerable. We continue to discuss his ongoing role with the series. And then they go on to say that Kirkman and everyone else is staying in their roles. So... um what the hell? Like, what? What's Frank doing here? This doesn't surprise me. I never saw him as a permanent part of this show. I saw him as getting on board, kicking this thing off, uh, starting off on the right foot. I never assumed that he was going to be a permanent part of the show. When I heard he was coming back, uh, actually, even after the pilot, we first heard he's directing the pilot. Mm-hmm. Right? I thought that's great. He's directing the pilot, fantastic. And then, like they say, he never went away. And I thought that that was okay. You know, have him on board. That's that's great. The fact that he's moving on now is that's fine. Nothing wrong with that. He's got other things to do. He's a Frank Darabont for crying out loud. So you're not worried at all that the pilot of last season was probably the best episode, and he wrote and directed it, and uh, now he's no longer going to be involved in the show on that level. No, I'm not worried. If any level at all. No, I'm not worried. I think right. they got a good show. I think they can. Uh, I, th- I think they can handle it. <laughs> I any- think the the show will be just fine without him, even if he did just wash his hands completely the entire thing. Really? Well, Glenn Mazzara certainly is no slouch. He's got lots of <laughs> cred behind him. Crash, the TV series, Life, the TV series, Criminal Minds, The Shield. Um, I haven't watched any of those, but they're well-respected shows. Yep. And uh, he's been you know, producing and writing and directing and all that sort of stuff on all of those. He also wrote Wildfire, the... Uh, um, fifth episode? Wildfire was the sixth one. Wasn't no, it? TS-19 was oh, the sixth. Right, the yeah. fifth episode of season one he wrote, and many people consider that sort of the highlight um, beside, beyond, you know, aside from the pilot. So um, I, I would tend to agree that the show is in, in good hands, too. I just find it a little strange that Frank is, is suddenly gone, and the timing of it right after Comic-Con, too. It seems like, a little weird. It seems like he just... I mean, I guess he wanted to go to Comic-Con. It's the big marketing thing and, you know, not bring it up or anything like that. Just go, you know, and, and push the show like he should. Now, he's stepping down after season two, right? No, he's or, he's, he's stepping down now, now as wow. of right now, yeah. In the middle of it. Yeah. And it's also strange because last, last podcast or maybe the one before, we t- talked about an interview where he said he's hoping to direct the finale. I wonder if that was just a big joke or something's really changed in that time. I don't know. I don't really. No, I know. think that's that still could be a very sincere desire. Yeah, even more so now. Stepping down as showrunner, but still come back to direct a thing, an episode or two. Yeah, it's it's really hard to say. I mean, we'll we'll have to find out what what he's going to be doing. I just thought the timing was a little weird. Um, Scott Meslow at the Atlantic 
uh, wrote a piece on uh, why The Walking Dead will be okay without Frank. And it's a little bit long, but I'm going to read an excerpt from it here. He says, When I reviewed The Walking Dead series premiere last October, I gave Frank Darabont the majority of the credit for the series' stunning pilot episode, Days Gone By. The two-hour premiere episode was one of the best pilots I'd ever seen. From the opening scene of Days Gone By, Darabont's meticulous direction imbues the post-apocalyptic world with a texture and scope that rivals anything seen in a movie theater. But the rest of the series' first season, while generally entertaining, never came close to the quality of Days Gone By. And just as Darabont deserves much of the credit for the series' initial success, he deserves much of the blame for the series' later failures. Darabont wrote The Walking Dead's disappointing second episode, Guts, which featured the series' biggest and most irritating deviation from the original comic books, the introduction of cartoonish villain Merle Dixon. And Darabont co-wrote the season finale, TS-19, another silly departure from the comics and another misstep for the fledgling television series. He finally says, Frank Darabont is a film director. Days Gone By was so effective because Darabont directed it like a movie, with a length and production design to match. But Darabont has never worked in television before, and when it came time to turn his two-hour pilot into an ongoing series, he faltered. The Walking Dead has always needed a television-savvy hand to guide it, and fortunately for AMC, newly appointed showrunner Glenn Mazzara is much more qualified than Darabont for the job. I think that sums it up really well. I think it's a little picky on uh, you know the terms like faltered and uh, misstep in the fledgling television series. I'm not sure that I would go as far as to say those things. Yes, the pilot episode was excellent, and uh, you know he did direct it. It was basically a, a movie. It was, was, it was an hour and a half, half, right? Yeah. Well, but that's what I mean. Like I think his points are valid. Uh, you know, criticisms aside, that's his opinion on those other episodes. I agree that the first one was the best of the six. Um, not, you know, not by as much as maybe, uh, um, this guy, Scott Meslow is, is saying, but, uh, yeah, I mean, Frank Darabont has never really worked in TV and I guess he wasn't, maybe he just wasn't quite ready for the, the style of it and the ongoing, um, you know, the ongoing commitment needed to, to run a TV show like that. Right. So I think his points are, are well-founded. And uh, after reading that, I felt a lot better about Frank stepping down and ha- especially having Glenn Mazzara step in. Right. So I'm okay with it. Um, all right, back to Comic-Con briefly. There was some few other things and lots of news came out of Comic-Con. There was a new season two poster released, a special edition poster, just like we got uh, last year. <coughs> And it was created by Tim Bradstreet, who apparently is a comic artist. He's not like a movie poster guy, um, although I'm not familiar with his other work. And just quickly, I think I liked it more than last year, although I still wouldn't hang it on my wall. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Because it would frighten my children. (laughs) Seriously. Um, Did you guys see the poster? I did. I thought it was meh. Meh? Meh. What do you think compared to last year? Meh. (laughs) <laughs> but last year's poster was kind of meh as well. So. Well, last year's was too symmetrical for me for some reason. It was like kind of funneling zombies right to the front, and then there was the one at the front. And these special edition posters always feature the zombies, not the right. the human characters. So um, this one I liked better because it was less symmetrical, and it factored in a little bit more stuff. Uh, I just, you know, it would, uh, I would, you know, I'd, I'd get a copy, but I don't think I'd put it up because my wife wouldn't let me. <laughs> right. But if, you're, but if you're interested, it's out there, and I'm sure they'll be selling them at some point. Or if you were at Comic-Con, you could get them and get them autographed, which was fun, too. So, 
Um, okay, the other thing, a few other things announced at Comic Con. There is going to be a book called The Walking Dead Chronicles, the official companion book. Um, apparently, it is a one of the kind, one of a kind behind the scenes guide focusing on both the making of season one and the creation of the best selling comic book which inspired it. So, hmm. new book for everyone to grab. I think that'll be, uh, That'll be fun to have, and they'll have to release one every year, and so you'll have to rebuy it, of course, (laughs) (laughs) which works for them. Uh, They are going to have some Halloween costumes from Ruby's Costumes, and uh, the text I've got on that is, Ruby has a large assortment of The Walking Dead-themed prosthetics, masks, teeth, and costumes for Halloween, many of which will be on view at their booth, which you could have seen if you were there. Um, fans can pursue such outfits as Little Zombie Girl or Little Girl Zombie, complete with robe, attached shirt, shorts, and slippers. And there's a few others. Rick Grimes, which includes hat, shirt, belt, and pants, and an assortment of other masks and makeup tools. Those will be available this fall. So if anyone wants to go uh, as a Walking Dead character or zombie for Halloween, this is your opportunity. Dave, you going to go as Zombie Girl? <laughs> no. No. <laughs> I'm thinking I may go as a golden shower. How do you do that exactly? That'd be a, that'd be a tricky one. I just wanted to say it again, but I'll I'll be there to <laughs> to take the video. Um, finally, Walking Dead busts released by the National Entertainment Collectibles Association. They will release the uh, San Diego Comic Con exclusive 6.5 inch deer eating zombie mini bust. <laughs> Exciting. <laughs> it really is. That's a mouthful. Is that the official title of it? <laughs> I think so. Exclusive 6.5-inch deer-eating zombie mini-bust. Um, only 1,200 will be made, and they come with a certificate of authenticity. Wow. There's a, there's a few others, too. Uh, Tank Zombie and Bicycle Girl Zombie. So Melissa, who we had on the show many months ago, will have her own zombie bust that you can Sweet. purchase awesome. and own and display proudly in your house if you'd like. Uh, so all those things are going to be available at some point in the fall, I believe, before season two premieres, and uh, you can spend your hard-earned dollars on most of them. I would th- I would think. All right, so there's a few more news items before we get to our actor spotlight on John Bernthal. We've got um, a Walking Dead double dip about to happen this uh, this fall. <laughs> season one of <laughs> The Walking Dead will be re-released on DVD and Blu-ray in a three-disc. Special edition. Um, there is a lot of new stuff on it, but they are re- there certainly re- is. re-releasing it for us to uh, re-buy. Do all three of us own The Walking Dead on DVD? I know I do. I own it on Blu-ray. Blu-ray? I own it on Blu-ray. All right, so we all own if it. If you'll pardon my French, I call bullshit. For the re-release. For the double dip? Let's give, tell I us how you really feel. fucking pissed. <laughs> This. There goes our PG thirteen. Yeah, what are you gonna do? You're allowed <laughs> you can, one f bomb in in uh, PG thirteen. All right. <clears throat> you can groan it for me if you like, but I, I'm I'm so annoyed by this. <sighs> are you gonna buy it? <laughs> no. Are you gonna buy it, Jason? I'm probably not. I already own it. Why would I buy it? There's a lot of additional features and special oh. features and audio commentaries here. I'm not much of an audio commentary kind of guy. The pilot episode is available in black and white. Well, you can turn your TV to black and white. Sorry, I cut Dave off. Say that again, Dave. No, they told us they weren't going to do it in black and white. They didn't, they didn't say that they were going to be releasing something down the road. They tricked us into buying it right away. 
Wait a minute. I don't think they said they weren't going to do black and white. They said it. They didn't say they might either. I don't think. I think the question was kind of dodged, or if it was ever even brought up at all. Mm-hmm. But uh, no, I can see your point. I can see how you feel. It sucks that that this happens. I think it happens. Well, had I known, I would have waited for a full version like this. I mean, it, it sounds like an amazing version, but you know what? I already bought it. I already own it. Why am I going to own that? Yeah, I, that's true. Uh, I, I must admit, I will probably get it because I would like to see the additional stuff and potentially talk about it here if if uh, if it's worth it. Excellent. <laughs> so I can always <laughs> lend it to you. That works for me. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Get it on Blu-ray. Uh, well, you know what? <laughs> I might. You don't own a Blu-ray player. I might get one just for this. All right, I may have, I may, I know it's beautiful, but, and I, and you guys know how I stand on Blu-ray. I may cave just for this. I don't know why. You should cave because your opinion on Blu-ray is incorrect. If you want to get a good Blu-ray player though, you should just get a PlayStation. No, I'm not going to do that. That's like four times as much as a regular Blu-ray player. (laughs) And, uh, my opinion's not incorrect. Sorry. It's, it's, it's wrong. Not wrong either. I just think (laughs) Blu-ray is unnecessary. Yeah, that that's wrong. No, it's well, not. Having a having an HD TV is unnecessary. That's not that's not true at all. Anyways. What do you mean? You don't need an HD TV. Sure, I do. For what? HD content, which is also Blu-ray. Which is Blu-ray. True. I just don't think Blu-ray is a format that's going to last all that long, and I don't want to start buying everything in Blu-ray just to have it go like DVDs well, you don't have went. To buy everything in Blu-ray. Blu-ray players are so cheap; it doesn't matter. And plus, you can buy Blu-rays cheap now anyway. That's not the it's point. Not like the price isn't the point. the point. The point is okay, that it's a format that is is uh, good, admittedly, yep. but it's yep. it's it's unnecessary. We're we're moving on to what like the next thing already, which you is digital sell all distribution. Your DVDs. I have all of them. Well, I haven't sold them, but I've packed them away and ripped them all to digital. Yeah, Every my, single one. All of them. my DVDs are in storage. I don't need them anymore. No, I don't need mine anymore either. I've moved past DVD a long time ago, you and I'm not. Well, I, I'm not going to do that. I'd rather just store them, but. Uh, their DVDs are unnecessary, and Blu-ray, admittedly, it's a big step. It's a good step, and there's there's quality there. But I don't, don't think it's the right to thing. the homeless. Well, I, I might. <laughs> <laughs> I well, haven't watched a DVD on my DVD player in almost two years. I don't think. Yeah. So you might as well get a Blu-ray player and not use it either. That's my point. <laughs> well, because then you can watch DVDs on it. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> okay, there you go. Um, I'm going to quickly run down some of the additional features on this release. As I mentioned, the black and white version of the pilot, which I'm looking forward to seeing. Audio commentaries on all six episodes. Something called We Are the Walking Dead. That's probably a feature on the uh, the extras. A, uh, Maybe they're doc- all singing like, we are the world. <laughs> Come on, keep going. No, I'm done. All right. Um, we are yeah, the walking dead. Thank you, David. Perfect. Um, we are the dead who keep on shambling. Towards the future. <laughs> there you go. You didn't fit in a golden shower there somehow. With a golden shower. <laughs> All right. <laughs> oh, there's also something called Bring Out the Dead, uh, which is a... Bring Out the Dead. Monty Python skit with zombies. A, it's, it's, I guess so, obviously. Uh, the visual effects of The Walking Dead. Digital decay. The visual... Visual. The visual effects of The Walking Dead... No More Room in Hell, The Walking Dead Phenomenon. So that's, you know, about how successful it was. They can all toot their own horn. 
Um, and then some other stuff, uh, Adapting the Dead and Killer Conversations, Frank Darabont and Greg Nicotero. Um, the old uh, features from the previous release are still there, so you can watch those again if you'd like. Well, and it's good that we got the unfinished version. Yeah, you can buy them twice if you really want. That's right. You can buy them one more time. Um, and then extra footage includes Zombie School, Bicycle Girl, On Set with Robert Kirkman, Hanging with Steven Yeun, Inside Dale's RV, and On Set with Andrew Lincoln, all of the stuff that has been previously released online. So as I read that, I'm less excited about buying it now. Well, it's the commentaries are the only real thing that I would even be remotely interested in. What about this, guys? Um, it will be released on October 4th, and there will be uh, three versions, the DVD, the Blu-ray, and a special edition Blu-ray. Oh, come on. In a, in a metal tin, which contains an exclusive wearable zombie mask from NECA, which is the uh, National Entertainment whatever association that is releasing the, uh, the busts. Um, designed by the series makeup artist Greg Nicotero, the first 100,000 units of the Blu-ray and limited edition collectors tin together includes an exclusive Cryptozoic The Walking Dead trading card. So basically the wearable mask is a printed piece of paper with an elastic band and the eyes cut out. Well, it's got to be better than that. <laughs> no, I don't think it does. It oh is my. made out of clay. It, it better be made of rubber or no, something. No, you connect two of the Blu-rays together, use the holes for the eyes... <laughs> And you'd staple in an elastic <laughs> band and wear it on your head. Wearable mask. You are a Blu-ray. Wow. Um, <laughs> I do recall that when they released The Dark Knight, there was a wearable mask in the special editions of The Dark Knight. Um, are you sure it was a wearable mask? Because I recall a Dark Knight. Well, if you're five, it was wearable. Okay, well, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> I recall a, uh, a case for The Dark Knight. Blu-ray or DVD that was shaped like Batman's mask. I'm not sure it was wearable, though. But I don't know. Everything's wearable. wearable. <laughs> if you can pick it up, you can wear it. If you try hard enough, right, Jason? <laughs> that yeah. golden shower is wearable. You need elastic bands. That's the trick. Lots of elastic bands and maybe some duct tape. Maybe some duct elastic tape. Elastic bands are wearable. Yes, they are. The other day I wore nothing but elastic bands to work. <laughs> I have an elastic band shirt. That, uh, that, how many elastic bands did that take, Dave? Just one. Yeah. <laughs> it was a really Just thick one. one. Um, okay, there's a couple more items in the news before we move on. Uh, Greg Nicotero. I don't think the guy needs to ever sleep. He's uh, going to be even busier because he has been uh, tapped to direct some Walking Dead webisodes. There will be six, uh, six of them, which premiere this fall. They're going to be shooting next month. And apparently they will follow a character called Hannah and her children who take shelter in her ex-husband's house from a horde of zombies. So these might be interesting. Hannah in her husband's house from a horde of zombies. Yes. The alliteration is <laughs> well, alliteration. horrible. <laughs> horrible. <laughs> so anyways, Walking Dead webisodes. A lot of shows do this. I know True Blood has done it and Lost did it. Um, Battlestar Galactica. Battlestar oh, yeah. Galactica, that's right. So, are we excited? I'm kind of excited about yes. this. It'll be nice to see a different character, right? That probably will never be on the show proper. Right. You guys yes. think so? All right. I am moderately excited about this. Moderate. Actually, I'm very excited for that. I, I, I look forward to that content. I've never been much of a webisode kind of guy. I watched it for uh, Battlestar Galactica, but only after it was compiled into one thing that I could just yes. press play on. <laughs> Yeah, that's it works better that way, but I'll probably watch these as they're released. 
Um, but yeah, Greg Nicotero, uh, he's directed a little bit in the past, but not much, but I think what he has done has been, um, hailed as quite good. So, you know, we'll see. They'll be fun. They'll be in the fall. Um, and finally this week in the news, season two, episode one is titled, we have the title. It's called miles behind us. Have we met miles yet? <laughs> no, I think he's going to be introduced right at the beginning of that episode, though. And he's going to be behind everyone. And he'll, right. he'll just be kind of following behind him. And, and hey guys. He's a sneaky son of a bitch. Hey, guys, wait hey up. Guys. Miles is behind us again. <laughs> Nobody turn around, but I think he's back there. <laughs> um, hey, guys, look, everybody, I brought grapes. <laughs> <laughs> I got guys, a of jokes. Up, Oh, man. If he's constantly just the guy hanging around behind them for the whole season, that'd be funny. Yeah. But what it really means is Miles Behind Us, the same name as the second trade paperback of the comic, correct? Sure. (laughs) What do you mean, sure? We've all read it. Yeah. It's the second one. I don't remember the titles exactly, but... All right. Well, Miles Behind Us. They get on the road and... It sounds familiar. They put some miles behind them. Yeah, they're on the road. So, uh... Interesting notes, Lauren Cohen and Scott Wilson, who play Maggie and Herschel, are listed on the IMDb cast list for this episode. Cool. I don't think we're going to see Herschel and Maggie in the first episode of season two. No, I don't think so. Maybe right at the end. That's uh, that's Maybe. a lot to get. So you think in the first episode, which we don't know if it's going to be an hour and a half or not yet. It yeah. may be. In the first hour and a half, we're going to leave the CDC, um, go through... Uh, the thing on the thing on the highway. highway. Yeah. Go through the highway, get into the forest, have <laughs> have Carl get shot, and then run to the farm and they're standing. Maybe there. Carl doesn't get shot. Maybe well, he falls asleep. Bitten, falls no, asleep. I was just saying, maybe he gets hurt hurt in the herd okay. somehow. So maybe right. he's just hurt. And then they run right to the farm? Like I think that might be that scene where Rick's holding uh, Carl and running towards Herschel's farm and we see Maggie and Herschel. I think that that might be the closing uh, moments of the first episode. Okay, so what about the rest of the stuff in the, the church and the... Well, I'm sure that's all from other episodes. I don't think it's all from the first episode. It doesn't have to be from the first episode. I realize that. That's what I'm asking. You always don't think that's first episode stuff? No. No. All right. Not necessarily. The church might be on Herschel's farm, or near it. I don't know. Could could be near. That's it. where Miles catches up to them. <laughs> right, <laughs> and then they kill him in the church, and no more Miles. That's right. Miles Shower is really gold upon him. <laughs> Miles is really behind us now. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, well, there's still a lot to find out, but it was a huge news week, mostly because of Comic Con. And you know what? There was other news from the con. There was the booth to talk about, and a few other things, which I think we'll probably re- uh, recover. We'll probably cover over over time a little bit uh, in future future podcasts. Um, and there's a number of interviews and so on from Comic Con as well, which uh, which have the odd tidbit in them that we should mention. But we'll get to that in. Future episodes. So that is the news for this week. Future episodes. Future. So coming up next after our short break is our actor spotlight on John Bernthal. Dave, I think you're going to drop off now since um, you haven't watched the the stuff. You're going to drop off and go have a golden shower probably. Yep. All right. I'm going to do something like that. (laughs) Thanks Um, uh, for coming on, dude, and talking about Stranger. Thanks for having me on talking about stranger <laughs> very good uh remind everyone where they can find it 
You can find it at uh, iHeartUnicorns2.com. And uh, there's a page on Facebook that you can like to see all the... Uh, actually, oh, that's right. I've, I started up a Tumblr page because I kind of like it. And that feeds directly into the Facebook page where I put all the sketches, etc. that I've been doing. Uh, support material. Supplemental material, if you will. So, what, uh, so it's all there. What you're saying is it's all interconnected. It's all interconnected. Okay. Kind of like us. That's right. Kind of like We're us. all interconnected. Hey, uh, speaking of me being at Fan Expo in Artist Alley, I just uh, remembered that there is going to be a Walking Dead connection at Fan Expo this year. Uh, Tony Moore, the original artist of The Walking Dead, is going to be at Fan Expo. Mm-hmm. He did the first so, six issues, I believe. So you can stop by and see him and say hello. It's a great Tony idea. Moore, I like your drawings. What happened? That's How come I only did six? <laughs> what the hell? Yeah. <laughs> well, he's been doing a lot of other stuff in the meantime. So oh, absolutely. Still. Absolutely. No, that's cool. Yeah, I, I forgot about that. I, I, I got the email that he was, uh, he was coming to the show. So we may have to go and say hi to him and uh, ask him the tough questions. We'll Indeed. See. All right, that's awesome. Thanks again, Dave. Everyone go check out Stranger. After the break, it's our actor spotlight on John Bernthal. Don't go anywhere. For you, the listeners of the Talking Dead podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 14-day trial to give you a chance to check out their service. Jason, what's your recommendation for everybody everybody this week? Or every every bunny? Every bunny. So all you bunnies that want to join Audible and have your bunny ears tickled with audio loveliness, (laughs) uh, I'm going to recommend Shadow Divers by Robert Curson. It's a uh, true story. Uh, of two Americans who risked everything to solve one of the last mysteries of World War II. So in 1991, uh, these divers discover a German U-boat complete with 60 crew not too far off the New Jersey shore. They have no idea what boat this is, how it got there, what it was doing, how it sank, all that kind of stuff. And they spent the next six years uh, searching the uh, searching the wreck and researching and trying to find out... Uh, you know, U-boats that were sent to this area, what it was doing, who could have sunk it, why this boat had sunk. Uh, three divers died during those six years trying to explore the wreck. Jeez. Uh, it was a really good book. I listened to it uh, probably a year and a half ago. It was uh, it was really compelling, and it makes me want to not go scuba diving, especially at the depths that this thing was at because it's extremely dangerous. And they talk very clearly about what the dangers are and, uh, you know, and spelling it out by having the divers die. A father and son team died. Oh, that's not nice. When uh, exploring this wreck. <clears throat> wow, that's that sounds pretty cool. It's a true story? True story. Shadow Divers by Robert Curson. 15 hours, 31 minutes. 
It's a good listen. Very cool. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash talkingdead. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash talkingdead for your free audiobook. And we are back. Thanks, everybody. This is The Talking Dead, number 50, and it's time for our actor spotlight on John Bernthal. All right. Who plays Shane on The Walking Dead, of course. The controversial character of Shane, I would say. The controversial character? Well, just based on the fact that uh, he's still alive. Well, for now. For now. You're right. That's what I mean. He's controversial now, but you never know what might happen in season two. They'll sort that living dead thing out. (laughs) I'm sure they will. I'm sure they will. There's lots of time to figure that out. Yeah. They could Uh, shoot him at any time. You never know. Not a problem. He could get eaten, shot, run over by a car. He could, anything could happen. He could fall and break his leg. Fall out of a tree. Climb climb, climb a tree and fall down. And die? You never know. You never know. It would be totally lame, (laughs) but you never know. (laughs) So, as everyone who's been listening knows, on our little actor spotlights here, we choose one of the actors on The Walking Dead and go back and watch some of their previous work to see how they've see what they've done, see that, how they've developed as an actor and stuff like that. So, uh, what do you want to talk about first here with John Bernthal, Jason? Day Zero. Day Zero. This is a movie from 2007. It stars Elijah Wood, Chris Klein, Elizabeth Moss, who you'd recommend... Uh, Recom- uh, recognize, recognize from Mad Men and West Wing, the West Wing. Uh, okay, I haven't seen it, but sure. Uh, and John Bernthal as Dixon. Here's the summary from the IMDb: The military draft is back. Three best friends are drafted and given 30 days to report for duty. In that time, they're forced to confront everything they believe about courage, duty, love, friendship, and honor. Right, D- duty, duty. There you go. Um, I don't believe a word of that summary. Why not? Well, they're not best friends. They have almost nothing in common. Anyway. No, I, I think they are best friends. I got the feeling that they were. No. I mean, people sort of fade in and out of touch sometimes throughout their life. And there might have been periods of time where these guys didn't hang out all that much. Um, but I did get the feeling they were friends in the movie, the three of them. Chris Klein, Andrew, John Bernthal, and Elijah Wood. Yeah, well, I got the feeling that they've known each other for a long time, but their lives are so different from each other's that I, I really don't see them having anything to do with each other on a regular basis like they do, other than that they, you know, they've been drafted. Well, this, that's something I noticed, too, that these three guys are three... Very um, stereotypical characters, right? Each one of them really embodies a certain uh, lifestyle, mentality, and uh, sort of feeling specifically towards war and being drafted, right? Elijah... Chris Klein is the he plays a lawyer. Yep, he's uh, you know he's got a a wife. I guess they're married in the yeah, movie. Yeah, they're married. Bit of a family man, you know, really dedicated to his family and rich, his job. Rich parents. Rich parents, exactly. Um, John Bernthal is a taxi driver. Doesn't know his parents. Kind of has made it on his own, sort of thing. Yep. Um, and Elijah Wood is. In between those. Doesn't really have a family. Doesn't really have a job. Doesn't have a job. He's bit a writer. Bit of a loser. Well, he's a writer. <laughs> bit of a bit of a loser. <laughs> and, uh, and a bit of a hippie, too, I sort of felt. Well, yeah. To a certain extent. So 
Um, three really different, distinct characters in that respect. There wasn't too much depth to any of them. No, they were cardboard. But I would I would put it as they were cardboard characters. Total cardboard? I mean, yeah, that's... I didn't. Uh, I don't felt that this movie focused on any one event or character for very long, so it was really hard to care about these people because they would just give you a little bit snippet of what was going on in their life and then jump to the next character, the next situation, and it jumped around so much that and they were so distinct. Like they were, there was a fight where John Bernthal got into a fight with Chris Klein at Chris Klein's house and at a dinner party for crying out loud. Uh, and the next scene, they're hanging out in a bar, and nobody mentions it. Like, it doesn't even come up. Doesn't It's not even a situation. Well, no, they mention it after. There was definitely some tension, but it, that died quickly, right? Yeah. It's just forgotten about. Well... You know, this big, ugly thing where these guys have this big argument, and it's just the next scene. It's really <laughs> not an issue. I, I see your point, but I, I think that was sort of... I think the idea there was that the sort of overall shared experience that these guys are are supposed to be having about being drafted kind of put that to the it it changed quickly because it put that to the background they only had 30 days to come to grips with what you know they were about to go through right um i thought the movie was okay really yeah i actually did think it was okay i thought thought each character no i thought each character had a journey they started and they finished somewhere else and they they um uh, each character kind of learned something about themselves and uh, despite the sort of cookie-cutter nature of those three guys, right. it didn't, I, I didn't mind it. I think they, they each learned something. I, I thought this whole movie was torture to watch. Really? I thought, it, I thought it was just flat and uninspiring. I didn't care about anybody, didn't care what happened. Uh, I would have turned it off, and I don't do that very often for movies. I would have turned it off if I hadn't been watching it for this podcast. Hmm. Interesting. I didn't get that, I didn't get that feeling at all myself. Yeah. I mean a little bit. I didn't love the film, but uh I I thought there was something there to to latch on to for sure. Yep. Um John Bernthal specifically in this movie, do you think he was terrible? No, I thought he did a good job. I thought he did a better job than Elijah Wood and Chris Klein. Uh you know, I thought he he plays that kind of character, that kind of rough and tumble kind of character rather well, and I like that about him. Uh so I thought he did a good job. I thought his hair was a little long, but what are you going to do? Yeah, that's it's just <laughs> hair, really. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, that kind of goes towards his kind of rough and tumble, you know, yeah, yeah. society be damned kind of thing. Well, he's not a haircut kind of guy. No, he's not, well, he, you know, once he gets, uh, you know, enlisted and once, you know, he actually reports for duty, he's going to be a haircut kind of guy. But for now, well, driving a cat doesn't need a haircut. No, he doesn't. He doesn't at all. Uh, I, I agree with you there. I think he was the best of the three. And he, interestingly, he's the least, at least at this time, the least well-known of the three. Probably still, actually. Probably still, you know, and I think he did a nice job. Elijah Wood um, was okay, and Chris Klein I thought was probably the worst. Well, yeah, Elijah Wood he played a kind of a wussy loser, which is good because I think he does that well. Yeah, uh, <laughs> so I thought it was good casting on the part of Elijah Wood. Uh, other than uh, Sin City, you know, mm. this, this I like this role for him more than a lot of roles I've seen him in, uh, except for Sin City. I thought it was great in Sin City. Didn't have a line. Yep. Yeah, it's perfect. <laughs> exactly. It's perfect for him. Works for him. I didn't even like him as Frodo, for crying out loud. Ah, he was all right as Frodo. No, he was a wuss. Frodo was not a wuss. He wasn't, eh? No, Frodo was not a wuss. Okay, well, that's besides the point. I thought he was okay here. Not spectacular. I thought Chris Klein was pretty poor. He's always pretty poor. <laughs> well, I, I suppose, yeah. I, I can't really think of too much else 
um, I've seen him in, even though I know I have. Yeah, not right. off the top of my head, anyway. Um, Elizabeth Moss was all right. She, as the, she was strong, too. Yeah. As, but she's as, always strong. As Bernthal's love interest. This is the only other thing I've seen her in besides Mad Men. Oh, yeah. I, I ignore her from the West Wing. Yeah. So, so she was good, and I liked, I liked what she did for John Bernthal's character. I mean, you've got to admit, out of the three of them, he probably had the most interesting storyline, didn't he? He did. You know, he falls in love with this girl, and go, he, he goes from being an absolute 100% supporter of being drafted and going to fight for your country because, you know, it's what you do. And like uh, Steve Rogers said, he doesn't have the right to do anything less right. from Captain America. And he goes from that to kind of doubting his own feelings because he now suddenly has something else at home, which he didn't have before. Right. And I thought that worked out well for him. Um Let's just really quickly talk about the end of the movie. So okay. if anyone is really upset about uh, being spoiled uh, for the end of day zero, you might want to jump ahead a little bit. But uh, what happens is three of them are together in a coffee shop the night or the day before. They're supposed to report for duty at uh, 9 a.m. And uh, Elijah Wood at this point has gone kind of off the deep end, shaved his head, got a giant tattoo on his skull. Right. And uh, he doesn't know what's going on. And he tells them to, uh, he tells them 7 a.m. at Penn Station and then leaves. And am I correct in saying the feeling is that, at least for the audience and for the two other characters, that we're running away? We're going to Penn Station, 7 a.m., we're getting on a train and leaving? Or at least that's what Elijah Wood was going to do? No. That's isn't, not... that, isn't that where they're supposed to report for duty? Get, get on a train and go someplace? Hmm. That's a good point. I'm not sure. See, I thought he was saying Penn Station. I'm gonna, I'm gonna run. Like I'm gonna draft dodge, basically. Oh, I thought that that's what they were. They were gonna meet there and report for duty together. Anyways, what ultimately happens is that um, Elijah Wood jumps off a building, yep. kill, kills himself. Yes, he does because he can't take it. Now, did he jump off Penn Station at 7 a.m.? I, I think that might be no, because he landed in a pile of junk. I thought it was a destroyed car that he landed on. No, it was, I think it was a junkyard of some kind. Because there was hmm. a thing sticking out of his body, and there was a motorcycle piece kicking around. I thought it was he jumped into a junkyard. Interesting. Well, my take on it was that he was telling them, 7 a.m. Penn Station, we're going to draft dodge. But what he was really saying is, no, I'm going to be there, and I'm going to jump off the roof. Right. And I think that's what he, happened. Uh, and then what we see is Chris Klein uh, show up at the train station. And I think see his body, doesn't he? Isn't that, isn't that where he's... Like, I think he realizes what's happened. And that's why oh. I figured that out. And anyways, then John Bernthal shows up too. They kind of see each other across the street. And then the movie ends. So... Uh, well, I think John Bernthal... The take I got from it was John Bernthal was the only one who would actually be reporting for duty. Because uh, Chris Klein's dad got him out of it. Yeah, he did apparently get him out of it. But see, even he... he even his attitude had changed a little bit, Chris Klein. He, I think, you know, once his dad originally said, no, I can't get you out of it, you've got to do it, and then at the 11th hour said, yeah, you know, you're, you're good, you don't have to go. I think even then he was, he had already prepared himself for, for going to war. Yeah, I mean, he's not going to go. No, I, no, I, I guess not. I think not. John Bernthal is the only one who reported for duty. All right. Out of the three of them. So he did. He left his, he left his lady behind. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> That's what you got to do, I yeah, suppose. Yeah, you got to do what you got to do. All right. So the movie, you hated it. I, I hated it. I thought it was okay. And I thought John Bernthal was certainly the most interesting character of all of them. Oh, yeah. His uh, relationship with Elizabeth Moss, I think that uh, that 
those two actors were the best thing in this whole film. The first thing I noticed watching this, um, it wasn't the first thing of uh, the first of his work that I watched for our little marathon here on John Bernthal. But the first thing I noticed when watching this is right off the bat, he's got like Shane face on. Yeah. He kind of delivers the same facial <laughs> expression in a lot of the stuff he does. He does. <laughs> Which is fine. That's his trademark, I guess. That's good. That's good. Um, so we also watched some TV episodes, Jason. Eastwick, mm-hmm. uh, star- starring Rebecca Romaine, Paul Gross, Canadian, Lindsay Price, Jamie Ray Newman, and John Bernthal as Raymond Gardner, Lindsay Price's husband, deadbeat husband. Yep. And the summary is, a mysterious man bestows unique powers on three women. If you've seen The Witches of Eastwick, this is a movie, or a TV show based on that. I have seen The Witches of Eastwick with Jack Nicholson many, many years ago. So yep. I remembered nothing of and the share. final plot points. And share, that's yep. right. I remembered nothing, really, um, other than those two were in it, and that was it. I remember... Uh, Mysterious Man shows up and displays powers on three women <laughs> in the town. Yeah, okay. I I, <laughs> I read that summary from IMDb. No, no, that's The Witches of Eastwick, too. And that was it. It's the same thing. There you go. Before I read that, I couldn't have told you that. <clears throat> so I right. just remember Jack Nicholson was kind of goofy. Well, he was kind of goofy, but so is uh, so is what's Paul Gross? Paul Gross, he is goofy. He's kind of goofy, wacky, rich guy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so John Bernthal plays the husband. I have a feeling I may have wrote down this incorrectly. I think he may be Jamie Ray Newman's husband, not well, Lindsay Price's. I don't know from whoever. Doesn't matter. He plays one of their husbands. That's not Rebecca Romaine, and he's a total douchebag. Oh yeah, as a husband, like, and he does it well. Complete dick, and he does it well. He he. In the which ones did you watch? The first two. The first two, yeah, yeah. We were gonna watch the last one, he's, but it turns out he's not in it. He got fired, but he's in charge of Wicks at the candle fix. <laughs> That's a great job, man. <laughs> East Wick, and he's in charge of Wicks. Yes, he is in East Wick. That's it's perfect. How do you I, get that job? I don't know. It's probably a really good job, but he got fired. I want to work at a candle factory and be in charge of Wicks. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Wicks, Somebody, is in, wicks and wax. Wicks and wax. Somebody else is in charge of wax, probably. Yeah, that's probably true. The wick division. I guess they manufacture them separately and then put them together with the, yeah, the molded candles. Yeah. Yeah. Or, well, it depends. I mean, they could dip them into, because they take the, <laughs> the candle wick and they dip it into wax, and they keep dipping into wax to make it you know, thicker and thicker and thicker, and that's how they make really thick candles. They need to do an episode of how they make it on candles or whatever Well, they did. Called. That's how I know this. Oh, see? <laughs> How it's made. I, how it's made. See, I knew, I, I had a feeling you might know I love that. that show. So John Bernthal plays a douchebag husband, yep. uh, gets fired from his job, kind of a deadbeat, drinks a lot, um, doesn't seem to be all that interested in his four children that yep. he has with his wife. And he threatens to beat his wife, but I don't think he does in these two episodes. No, we don't see that in these two episodes. And I don't think he's the kind of guy that would... Uh, he's, I don't think he's that kind of a No, dick. he said, uh, I'm real close to hitting or smacking you. At one point. That doesn't matter. I don't think he is the kind... He, even though he's a dick, I don't think he's the kind of guy that would take that next step. I think he would. Yeah, I think you he think is. so? Well, yeah. you gotta, well, then you've got to watch the rest of the show and find well, out. Well, I mean, I remember watching this show when it first aired. Jenny and I watched the first few episodes. So I've seen these before. Oh, all right. You didn't get all the way through? No, we we got bored of it. It's just like, come on, this show's not going anywhere. Nothing happens. It's kind of stupid. And then it got canceled after yeah, one Yeah, because everybody else agreed with this, so... There you go. So, John Bernthal in this was... Kind of nothing special, but he was okay. He was all right. I think he did the role well. Yeah. His, uh, his hair was a little shorter. Yes, it was. And then what happens to him? He gets, uh, oh, she electrocutes him, right? She Well, she kind of hurts him a lot. She calls down lightning and uh, 
but doesn't even realize it because she hasn't she doesn't understand her powers yet. Well, yeah, because she's the nature power person. She, right. she controls nature. She can grow giant pumpkins, good tomatoes. She can uh, cause an earthquake to knock him out of his hammock. She calls down lightning to strike him down. Knock him out of his hammock. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> what, does the earth have to move in order for you to get out of that hammock? And then the earth shakes and he falls out of the hammock. Yes, he does. <laughs> so. Um, so she hits him with lightning and he goes into the hospital and he seems to have kind of an attitude adjustment after that. Yeah. He, he comes out of the hospital saying, no, I really love you. Everything's fine. I'll, I'll, you know, the kids are great. You mean everything to me. And Don't strike me with lightning again. Don't hit me with lightning He, he doesn't anymore. attribute it to her. At least not at first. Maybe he does later. I don't uh, know. I forget. Uh, but he gets his job back. That's right. As the, uh, he's in charge of wicks and something else, except for uh, tea lights. So, <laughs> except for... T- <laughs> those are completely different. Those are completely right. different. They're a whole, they have a whole different wick dude They make there. those in the home office somewhere else. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> That's funny. Um, so, so see, he kind of gets his life turned around. It sounds like it. Well, I mean, in the first two episodes, I'm not sure if it spirals out of control afterwards. Then again, once a douchebag, always a douchebag. Yeah, the show would be pretty boring if the husband turns around and turns out to be a great guy. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Why, why start him as such a bad guy and then change it right away? Yeah. Uh, the show itself... It didn't do much for me, and uh, no, it was mediocre. At I, I I wasn't really interested in in watching anymore. But I don't know. Just to to see John, maybe I'll check out one or two more. I got really? them sitting here, so I deleted them. Did you? <laughs> <laughs> the quality of the one I watched was not amazing, yeah. so we will see. Um, so that's it. Uh, we watched those two episodes: the pilot and reaping and sowing, which is the uh, second episode. Finally, the Ghost Rider. Right. A uh, 2010 movie starring Ewan McGregor, Kim Cattrall, Olivia Williams, and John Bernthal as Rick Riccardelli. Well, what Ewan about McGregor's Pierce Brosnan? Agent. And Pierce Brosnan. That's Brosnan. That's true. Brosnan? Brosnan. Brosnan. Yes, he, he plays the former Prime Minister of the United Kingdom. Right. And he uh, is in t- he's getting into some trouble, the former Prime Minister of the United Kingdom. That's right. Uh, but John Bernthal plays... Uh, Ewan McGregor's agent, and he's got uh, some screen time at the beginning, right? And any at the end? I think he shows up right. He does show up right at the end. Yeah, probably right at the end. And then there's a long section in the middle where he's not in the film at all. You know, where plot happens and dialogue and various such things. The movie really is Ewan McGregor's. Uh, well, more, yeah, more than anybody yeah. else. John Bernthal's on the phone a couple of times, I think, uh, in the movie when Ewan calls his agent mm. to say, "What the hell have you got me into?" So yeah, I watched this uh, when it first came out. It's been probably six months since six months to eight months since I've seen this. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jenny and I watched it just because we like you and McGregor, and we just wanted to watch that. I didn't even notice John Bernthal at first. Didn't know who he was really at the time. So it was well before October, or you know maybe even last year. Jeez, didn't know who he was. Didn't care. Watched the whole movie. Kind of liked it. Thought it was eh, okay. And uh, I rewatched the beginning because I knew he was at the beginning. But so I rewatched the beginning today mm-hmm. just to refresh my memory of what john bernthal did and uh i thought he did a good job he did do a good he job. wears the hell out of that suit i'll tell you that well he sure does he looks good in the suit yeah uh, which is important yeah. you know that's part of the character right I th- there i thought he did a really good job of this character non-douchebag non uh wait a minute a little bit of a douchebag he's a bit of a douchebag oh he's a writer's agent writer agent yeah. i didn't really get douchebag vibe from him i got a kind of a salesman vibe from him but not all salesmen are douchebags that's true not all agents are douchebags either. <laughs> there you go. Uh, you're right, and he did he did okay in his limited limited screen time. You yeah. know, 
Um, he, he basically opens the movie with Ewan McGregor sitting there talking about this uh, job opportunity to go and write the memoirs for the former British Prime Minister. Right. And, uh, and then they go into the publishing uh, company office and uh, who, who's the guy in there? Jim Belushi. Jim Belushi. Bald Jim Belushi. Bald Jim Belushi. And there's a scene, or there's a very short, sh- there's a shot basically in there. Um, after they've kind of had their discussion and Ewan McGregor is on board and they're all standing up again to leave. And I think Ewan McGregor is talking with um, one of the other characters in there. Yeah, the uh, the editor. The editor, right? The, the guy, editor that, bring, guy. that brings him in, right? Yeah. And John Bernthal's in the background talking to um Jim Belushi. Belushi right yep. and it's just one shot but i thought that background acting was really good really i don't know what it was i they, didn't notice the background acting they were they were they were leaning on a shelf books and stuff and they were just having a conversation but in the foreground is what's really happening you and mcgregor talking to the other guy and john berthal and belushi are back there and they're just doing their carrots, carrots and peas, and, peas carrots and, and peas. stuff uh, and I was, tr- I was keeping my eyes on Bernthal because that's who we're supposed to be watching. Right. And maybe I wouldn't have even noticed it otherwise, but, uh, he was, he, he, he works as a great extra in well, that, in that one shot. Excellent. Good for him. <laughs> Good for maybe him. Maybe he can get some extra work. Yeah, maybe he can. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not sure he's going for that, but yeah. you know, maybe. Um, so yeah, short, uh, I mean, uh, small role in the Ghost Rider. Did you like the movie overall? <sighs> I, I did. Did you watch the whole thing? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I, I I, thought it was a, a pretty good movie. It's a whodunit, right? It's uh, yeah. basically, you know, a mystery that has to be solved. And uh, Hugh McGregor's going through the, uh, the stages of solving a mystery. And, you know, that that's right up uh, Jenny and my alley, right? We mm-hmm. like that kind of movie. We like murder mysteries. So, it was, you know, I thought it was okay. But, you know, I know you feel differently about those kind of things. So... I was. I wanted to see if you actually liked this movie. No, I liked it. I I thought it was. Um, I thought it was sort of well put together. You know, I liked. I liked the concept of it. I liked the location that yeah. island off of uh, of uh, Cape Cod or something like that. Wherever yep. wherever they are, um, New England somewhere. Yeah, New England somewhere. And uh, oh, who who's the guy that Tom Wilkinson? Tom Wilkinson is in this movie, and I really really like him. Who's that again? Uh, so Ewan McGregor takes the car out that's owned by the prime minister that he, he gives to guests yep. and he turns on the GPS and it has the last, uh, root cord and it's oh, yeah. programmed into it from his predecessor who showed up dead in the, uh, in the ocean. Right. So he thinks, well, I'll just drive here and see where he was going. So he follows it and it takes him to this guy's house who is an old, 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 uh, um, co-worker, I guess, of the prime minister's long before he was right. prime minister. And that's Tom Wilkinson. And he, I really like that guy. He did a nice job in this movie too. Um, but yeah, it, it sort of a depressing scenery, always rainy. And you well, know, yeah. it was, it was it's New uh, England. What are you going to do? It was New England in the early, early spring or late winter. And, and yeah, it was sort of moody, but I think it fit the tone. of It the was movie very too. moody and very tone filled with tone. Filled with mood. There was and a lot, time. a lot of ambience. <laughs> That's right, but in a good way. Yeah, in a good way. So I did, I did enjoy the movie. If I had been maybe a little more invested in it, um, maybe I could have seen the ending coming. But as it stands, I didn't see it coming at all. Oh, there you go. Um, and I do think the uh, as as I've said before, the most important thing for a murder mystery is when you do find out who done it at the end. If you go back and think about it, you you should be able to figure that out throughout the film if you're sort of thinking about it and paying attention. Yep. The best ones are like that anyways. And I think this movie had that. 
Yeah. The, I, well, Jenny figures stuff out like right away. Like she's really good at TV and movies. She, she sits there and, and goes, "The butler did it." Murder mysteries, just like you know, and a lot of times, even especially on Law and Order, there's a formula to it, right? Whoever the most famous guest star is mm-hmm. is guilty. It's just the way it is. Mm, that's true. So as soon as they get screen time, if it's Chevy Chase, guilty. <laughs> you know, Chevy Chase. Well, he was on an episode. It was really good, actually. <laughs> okay, he and did he was, a good job, and he was guilty. Oh yeah, there you go. <laughs> Perfect. Um, I was gonna say the. Uh, the the secret to finding out sort of the end of this movie was there all along, right. I think. Uh, or at least the method for finding it out, I think, was there all along. And, you know, it would have been possible for the audience to figure that out, even though I can't say that I, I Oh, did. I suck at it. I, I'm not so. good at this kind of thing. I just let things go and, you know, let, let them tell me the story instead right. of trying to figure it out. Right. Well, some, that's okay. That's a good way of experiencing movies and TVs, too. Sometimes. Sometimes. So there we have it, John Bernthal, Shane from The Walking Dead, his uh, past work, what we could get our hands on anyways, yeah. can be a little difficult. Speaking of difficult, our next Walking Dead actor spotlight is going to be with Stephen Yun. Stephen Yun, Glenn. Who plays Glenn. Uh, now looking through Stephen's IMDb page, there, there's a couple of video games on there, neither of which we have the time or access to play. Yep. And or the technology. More than technology, yes. Crisis, right? Yeah. PC-only game? Yeah. Okay, so that's not going to happen. Uh, he's got a number of shorts, what they call shorts or short films, I guess. I'm wearing shorts right now. Thanks. <laughs> Steven Yun's not in them, is he? <laughs> no, just me. <laughs> Good. If he was, that'd be awesome. Uh, that wouldn't fit. Yeah. Um, so that stuff is hard to come by. We looked, we tried, but couldn't find it. One of them even has a nice fancy website, but all there is is a trailer, which we've already watched and... I guess we can talk about it briefly next time, but sure. But uh, we're not going to be able to see the whole thing. So what we are going to be watch, going to be watch, going to be watching. We're go- we are going to be watch. Yes, we are. Uh, is his one episode of The Big Bang Theory? That's season three, episode twenty-two, called "The Staircase Implementation." Oh. I don't know if he has a huge role or a tiny one-scene role. We'll find out. I've seen all of the episodes of that show, and I don't remember Stephen Yeun in that episode. So I'm going to. Watch it again. How many seasons are there right now? Four. So this is only from one season ago. Yeah. Um, so when did you watch this? Was it pre-Walking Dead, after Walking Dead? After Walking Dead. Interesting. And I still didn't get it. And you still didn't notice him. Interesting. So he might not be there at all, but we're going to watch it and find out. Because I never started watching this show, uh, Big Bang Theory, until after Christmas. Because I remember there being a unboxing day. There was a, a Big Bang Theory marathon. And I remember watching a lot of it. At that point, and going, hey, I should pick up these. So I picked up all the episodes and all the seasons and watched them. Okay. So this would have been after Christmas that I watched this episode. I wonder why I didn't recognize him. Well, that's what I'm saying. I'm thinking maybe he may have a very small part. Right. Uh, and maybe he's hardly in the episode, too. Maybe. Yeah, <laughs> Zing. Maybe. Sorry. Um, we'll find out. We'll, we'll find oh, out. Oh, I get and, it. That's funny. watch back. Hilarious, eh? <laughs> Uh, the other thing we're going to watch is Law and Order Los Angeles, Season 1, Episode 15, called Hayden Tracked. Hayden Tracked. He's in that. And unfortunately, that's it, because we can't really get our hands on anything else. So Both of which are available in iTunes. Yes, they are, which makes our life easy in that respect. It does. If some of the short films were there or on Netflix or anywhere else on the internet, we'd be happy to watch those. Uh, but uh, we can't. If in the next couple of weeks... We can come across it somehow, then uh, we'll add it to the list. Sure. But for now, it's The Big Bang Theory and Law and Order Los Angeles.
Exciting stuff. Huh? Yeah. Hey? Yep. What do you think? <laughs> You're right over there? I'm looking forward to it. Very I, good. You know, I've watched some episodes of uh, Law & Order Los Angeles. Wasn't too impressed. Jenny and I started watching it because we're Law & Order fans. So we watched the first few episodes of that show, and it's just like, meh. <laughs> so, Again. Uh, it does have Doc Ock in it, in that uh, show. Oh, that's cool. You have probably seen... Um, You've pr- you probably saw Stephen Yun in that and didn't realize it was him either. Well, I didn't watch episode fifteen. I'll okay. tell you that we only watched the first two or three. All righty, and then went canceled and didn't watch it anymore. Is it actually canceled? No, it's not canceled. It's on season two now. Okay, but it was just canceled in our household. There you go, canceled in your house. That's right. <laughs> All right, um, that's going to do it for this episode of the Talking Dead. It's number fifty, which is absolutely 50. incredible. We've been doing this for so long. We're going to have a few more before the show is back on the air on October the 16th. I rarely do 50 of anything. Uh, true. <laughs> Seriously, eh? <laughs> Let alone 50 episodes of this podcast. Well, feel good in the fact that you've committed yourself and, and, and followed through on your dedication. Yep. I've only missed one. Did Isn't you miss right? one? Yeah, Dave did one uh, where I wasn't available. Uh, I don't remember. It's been so. 50. How am I supposed to remember all of them? Uh, a big thanks to our sponsor, Audible. If you want to get a free audio book and a free 15-day trial, go to audibletrial.com slash talkingdead and sign up there. And uh, a big thanks for uh, to Dave for coming on the show this week, too. If you want to go and check out his uh, zombie webcomic, Stranger, go to iheartunicorns2.com or stranger.renerd.com. He's working on... Uh, the uh, second second issue right now. Oh wow! And he's going to be at the uh, Toronto Fan. What's it called? Expo. Toronto Fan Expo. Fan there, Expo. There you go. If you want to get in contact with us, I highly recommend you do so. You can call us at one eight six six four eight three Z O M B. That is eight six six four eight three nine six six two. It's a toll free call. You can find us on Twitter at Talking Dead or on Facebook at facebook.com slash the Talking Dead. Finally. If you so choose, you can email us at talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. We welcome all of your thoughts and comments and find out whether you agree or disagree with anything we have had to say on today's show. Awesome. So until next time with episode number 51, everybody have yourself a great couple of weeks. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.